Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Show and Tell. Uh, this is Tom, and as you all know, Show and Tell's the show where we like to bring on a cool guest to talk about something cool that they're working on. Today's cool guest is Matt, better known as Ursa Dice online and with their authorship. And we're going to be talking about you meet in a tavern, you die in a dungeon. A super cool, down and dirty game that, you know, lets you die. So, Matt, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, no problem. It's funny because I'm always... Uh, Michael, the, uh, my podcast partner, he kn- I'm always looking for... He knows what I like. He knows what I like. And so when he sees stuff on Twitter that he's like, Tom would like this, he'll tag me. And I'm glad he does that because you've had a few like really robust tweet threads about this game. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I've been trying to like. I don't. I don't write large. I haven't been writing large games. So I've spent the last. I mean, this is my fourth year in the industry. I've spent three years uh, with a Patreon writing one-page games and sort of doing that monthly. So that's thirty-six sort of one-page games that I put out over the space of three years. And then um, last year, I think it was, uh, I I did a well, I delivered on a Kickstarter from the year before, which was the first sort of larger game that I wanted to do just to try that out. And then this year, I've started moving into doing trying to focus more on longer systems, dropping those one-page games and coming into that. And so this is the second sort of big thing I've been focusing on this year. And uh, I've been trying to just get my thought process with the game out and like what I actually want to deliver it and what makes it fun for people to engage with. Because there's so many dungeon crawling games. There's so many games about just being a little fantasy guy. So I just want to, just trying to let people know if you want to follow me on Twitter and find that stuff, then like it's, you're gonna see my brain pouring out on there because it's it's just a fun outlet for it. And it's I it's a I like it when game designers do. I I am very clear. I am not a game designer. I have no desire to write games. I do podcast interviews and I play games. And so when I want more designers to just kind of throw up their thoughts, like don't I don't want like long okay long think pieces are okay, but a good choice Twitter thread on game design. Is I'll I'll take it. So before we dive too deep into the game and everything, so let's talk about who you are. Okay, so tell us who is Matt, and then how how did you get from like where from where you started? Tell us where you started, and then making games. What would what that journey look like? So I think my uh, my introduction to role playing games uh, outside of when I was about eight. And we had the 1990s TSR board game of Dungeons and Dragons, had a big red dragon on the box. And it was like, a. I remember we showed it to a friend who like had played stuff like D&D before and was like, this isn't how this game works. You shouldn't yeah. be doing it like that. And I used to just sort of sit on my own and just play with that on my own because I was just, yeah, strange little kid who liked to just do things with like little toys, a little card, had loads of cardboard cutouts in it and stuff like that. Um, like, before, I think, probably about four or five years ago, I hadn't really thought about game design at all. You know, I, you know, I, it would get like you, like I liked playing games, I liked experiencing them. Um, however, they worked was not important to me. It was just, it's just a thing, right? It was just, yeah, we go along, we play some games. Um, when I was like twenty-one, I think we got into playing role-playing games with some friends. We were, it was fourth edition D and D. So that, you know, uh, for me, it felt a bit like sort of Warhammer Plus, you know, you take your little toy, you move it around the map and you hit things yeah. with special cards. Like, I, I like I like that. Um, and then, you know, through some friends and I've got some friends who have been designing board games and who were part of the RPG groups as well. And sitting, having conversation with them about mechanics and that kind of thing, I eventually went, OK, maybe I could maybe I could do this. Um, and my friend Mike, Mike Harrison Wood, who designed a board game called Who Should We Eat, where you uh, you crash on a desert island and you immediately resort to cannibalism. Um, oh, nice! It's it's a, it's it's just a lot of fun. I think it's up by WizKids, so it's a good one to check out. But um, yeah, Mike introduced me to some of Grant's uh, one-page games, Grant Howitt, and you know, I think it's a the stuff that he writes is such a good demonstration of what you can what you can do when you have a small space and what 
you know, it's not just a 300 page rule book, right? It's not just a, you know, enormous set of three books or whatever to get you writing a game. It's just fitting that idea into that space. And I wrote a game called uh, 25% of the time uh, they work every time where your malfunctioning robots uses D4s because everyone hates D4s and I wanted to use them. This is, this is true. There are not enough games that use D4s. They just aren't. I think Nibiru is one of my favorite games and it uses D4s, and, but more people should use D4s. I think there's a fear around D4s, right? You're like, you don't want to you don't want to have that many things that you could drop on the floor and lose and then just yeah. set trap yourself. So maybe, maybe it's that, <laughs> but yeah. But they don't roll well either. I mean, they're horrible to roll. You roll a D4, it's awful. It's um, terrible. Yeah. But yeah, I... I I made that game and I just went, I wonder what would happen if I posted this on uh, on Reddit, see what people thought of it. And people really, really liked it and started saying, "Can is there somewhere we can buy this? Is, this is just a, a page. So I went, well, yeah, stuck it on drive through, started doing stuff for that. Um, and then went, maybe I should make another. Maybe I could spend all year doing this. And then just sort of never stopped. Yeah, so I I really like engaging in stuff which is super simple to read and super yeah. simple to play but puts you in a position where like you've got maximum chaos going on at the table or like just a, yeah just creating a fun time with as few words as possible so i this is a question i like to ask people uh so you kind of talked about you kind of played a bunch of fourth edition you're making your own stuff now but if you were to sit down with like your best friends like you think about the perfect gaming group ever and you all had could play a game what would that game be so tough isn't it yeah what we end up playing and this is the thing what we end up playing is more often than not the bugbear that big one it's it's 5e because everyone knows yeah. it. the people okay. i love to play with who are my friends you know that's uh that's what we end up playing i've been playing in a pathfinder 2 game as well for quite a long time some friends again they're basically sort of running parallel but that's not it's not where i'd go i think i think um I would probably want to do something like Blades in the Dark. I think. Ah, I, think I, I just, you know, I really like. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, like, I don't, I don't particularly like the way the rulebook is written for Blades in the Dark. Like I've, I've tried reading it so many times and gone, ah, oh, I hate it. Someone else same, same. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's something about it where you're yeah. reading through it and you're just like, I get what you're trying to say, but I'm also lost and I don't want yeah. to have to keep reading like this. Um, so like. Ideally, I would find someone else to run a Blades in the Dark game for me, and I would have, uh, yeah, a, a ridiculous time being criminals in a crazy city with my friends. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I think we got. I think that I think that that tells me. I now know who Matt is. All right, <laughs> full stop. Okay, so now we know who Matt is. So what we're going to talk about now is you meet in a tavern, you die in a dungeon. All right, what is the elevator pitch for this game? You meet in a tavern, you die in a dungeon is a procedurally generated dungeon crawl where the aim is to die as quick and as fun as possible. You okay. are, yeah, that's, that's, that's the shortest way I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you are, you are um, debt ridden out of work adventurers who find yourselves in the same tavern as people you have these sort of loose connections with from your past. And you don't really realize it till you finished your, finished your first couple of rounds at the bar. And then uh, someone steps in, the bartender steps in and sort of goes, ah, you look like you're out of work. You look like you maybe want to go and look at this MacGuffin I've heard so much about. And then off you go, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and you get absolutely horribly murdered. I am all about, I, I do like games that are very intentional about like the end goal. Like you, you know what the end is because then it allows, it informs your role-playing as you it's like something you can work towards yeah absolutely so, yeah it's, it's so, that thing isn't it you know you've got that open-ended element to so many role-playing games they're almost just designed to just keep going keep going keep going and it's it's so much is on the gm to come up with a way to end it or make you like yeah so yeah it's fun to have someone who just go this is the end now it's done so i want to ask you then because i'm all about definitions and there's been, I'm not sure if you've seen all the discourse recently on Twitter about like, what is an actual dungeon? I think like Chris Bizet uh, kind of kicked this up. Um, and the, this, like he went through, like went back to the classic, like box D and D and was like, all right, well, let's go see what is a dungeon. So I want to ask you then, like thinking about it from a game design perspective, and then also just in general, when you think about a dungeon, what is a dungeon? 
Chris, Chris is very good at uh, stirring up the discourse, aren't they? Yeah. With, uh, I think it, I think it's a really good way to approach it. You know, go and look at that original text. For me, a dungeon is a space which your um, sort of characters enter into, which is essentially a series of opportunities for encounters, and then hopefully ends in something that is a uh, like a, a sort of a grand finale type thing for that space. Generally, that space is connected by um, a similar aesthetic or a similar type of enemy or something like that. But essentially, it's this interconnected sort of series of encounter uh, spaces that you have, which can end in a, in a finale point. And that's what I'm trying to build with this, really, is that it's a, it's a series of just sort of rooms that you generate. You're cutting to where the action is in all of this. Um, you know, we'll talk a bit more about the mechanics of it later. Um, yeah, you're, you're, the whole idea with this is that you are cutting to that core bit of what is the next experience we're having? Let's go. Smash cut. We're in there. We're in, like, even if it's sort of, you have the sort of space for some between room scenes where you might sort of do a bit, something a bit more social, but everything is just, bam, we're on to the next bit. Here we are. Here's, here's the next part of the dungeon. Here's the thing you're moving on to. How are you negotiating this? How are you actually dealing with it? And what are you going to do to move on? So a dungeon based on that can be, I mean, really any sort of biome or environment that you can think of, but it's this whole idea of inner, like connected encounters with some sort of end goal. And uh, so in your game, is it very much a, is it a classic, like we're going underground into caves or is this a game where you can play different types of dungeons? You know, like, oh, I'm going into this, palatial estate and this is a dungeon or this is the this space station this is a dungeon or have you really focused in on a particular theme that's it's really fun that you said that um especially the space station bit so this particular one is your classic dive into a subterranean space okay and there's sort of a graded set of levels which you can if you want to curate your experience you can uh generate in a particular order and even though you're still randomizing stuff, you're pulling out from, say, this first level, which is a bit more domestic, into sort of subterranean sewers, caverns, things like that. A little bit further down till you get to your, your more sort of uh, things like teleportation chambers and summoning rooms, and then all the way down to the bottom where it's these treasure chambers and these big sort of finale set pieces. What I really want to do, if this funds, if this gets takes off, if people like it, is to do a jam where probably on itch somewhere like that called you meet in a you die in a ah okay so i want people to write using this and to generate stuff with this you know i uh, a friend of mine uh she messaged me saying oh you should write a thing like this in the space hulk and i was like you meet in a cantina you die in a space hulk is a perfect immediate hack right yeah so i just i like i'm writing this whole document as uh almost like an SRD, so almost like a system reference document. So that if you want to go and take this game away, if you've never played a game before, you can read through this and understand how it works and what you're doing, but also it's sort of approachable. And so if you want to then go and hack it, you've got this piece already that is there for you to just take away and just start writing stuff. That's what I want to do with it. Okay, so then, all right, so you can have all these potentially different things, but all of these, and you kind of mentioned this in your Twitter thread, that this game is meant to obviously we have a procedural generated dungeon we'll get to but this whole idea of a dungeon crawl like that's the core concept of this game so what's a dungeon crawl and what are some for somebody who doesn't like have an idea other than D&D what are some other examples of a dungeon crawl like game i think that if you're talking like big media examples right we're looking at something like elden ring is a really good example I think, or like you look at Souls games, I think they're a really fun example to take. Uh, Zelda, you know, those sort of... Uh, okay, yeah. So if we're talking about Dungeon Crawl, it's this... Uh, you have decided, like, your party, whatever, your group is going through this series, this space, you know, this space we've already created, this space where we've got this aesthetic run-through going on through it, and they are travelling through it in an order they determine or in order to which the characters would determine generally. So when you're doing it in a more classic setting, you might have a map of this dungeon and someone says, you've got a, a corridor here, you can turn left or right. 
you know, you've got a uh, a series of doors along this corridor. Do you want to check them all? Do you want to keep going? This is, like I said earlier, that idea of sort of smash cut and we're jumping onto all of these sort of new encounters. Sort of, we're jumping to them straight away. We're not worrying about that sort of space in between too much. We're not worrying about, okay, do we check every single door in this corridor? We're going, this is interesting. We're taking you there. And that's what this is doing. So if you're looking at something like, um, you know, let's say we take a game like Elden Ring, where you are, you go to the castle, you find out that there's a whole bunch of secret staircases or whatever, you take whatever route around it you want. But as you're going through that, there are bits which are background and filler, and there are bits where there's interesting stuff or something you have to fight or something you have to find and things like that. And so for me, a dungeon crawl is that idea of that whole experience from start to finish of entering into that dungeon space, that aesthetic sort of link space, moving through it and then encountering what is something at the end that makes it a, a finale for you having gone there. Whether it's you get a big piece of loot or you get a big monster or you get a big discovery about your world, anything like that. That's that's the dungeon crawl for me. Some sort of cool experience. Yeah. Let's talk talk about like how the game plays in the sense of so i gather my friends and we're going to sit down to play your game yeah what does that look like we're playing the game walk us through it high level and like what do you want the players to experience the way i've been writing all the text for this is trying to set it up so if you have turned up completely unprepared you just have the books that you need the pack of cards and some dice you can just sit people down at the table and you can get them to go from start to finish and understanding how this game works in the first five minutes. So, if, you know, I'm, I've turned up, I've, I've, uh, I've forgotten everything apart from those things I've got. You know, I'm barely dressed. I haven't got any shoes on or anything like that. And late to the game night, someone's ordering pizza. It's great. I sit down and I go, okay, we're going to start off by uh, creating some characters. And that's very simple. Just pick one of these five. That's all you need to do. And then I'll get you rolling some stats. It's that, that bit is very, very simple. Then we have a series of scenes where uh, we sort of introduce them to a tavern. So while they're picking those characters and they're rolling those stats, I can completely generate this tavern. I can completely generate the barkeep is, you know, randomize all of that, have this interesting space for them to come and meet. And then um, they'll introduce their characters one by one. So rather than that sort of who are you playing, who are you playing? It's like, okay, talk, how does this person enter the tavern? How do they sit at the bar? What do we know it's about them? So giving people that narrative opportunity to talk about themselves. Then we have a round where we sort of build some connections with the groups. You just uh, deal out some cards to create these uh, sort of connections, which are some way which your dungeoneer has been fucked over in the past by someone else uh, in this group, even though you're just realizing it now. And that's all on the bridge, but you've had it like, so you're setting up, um, I like to work from a, there's a, um, I work in ed tech. Sorry, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but this is sort of why I wrote rules text in this way. Yeah. There is a uh, ed tech, um, she's called Gilly Sam, and she has this, she wrote this book ages ago called Etivities, and she is all about creating socialized spaces to work in online learning and sort of understand where getting people used to doing certain activities so that when you want to do everything online, they can do it in that way. And it's a sort of a step-by-step process for it. And all of these rules here are designed to get people who might not have role-played before into the idea of, this is the person who I control. It isn't me, but I'm going to be acting as them. Now we're going to very slowly introduce ideas about who these people are, how they're connected, and actually get us working on outside of just that individual choice into we're working as a group now. We're talking as a group and we're creating things together. And so that whole start section is all about that and sort of that socialization element. And then just before we go into the dungeon, we find out how everyone's going to die. So okay. What's that look like? You, you are all dealt a card, and that card relates to a tag. So there's 13 of these tags. Uh, they are things like um, monster, mage, ooze, fire, poison, that sort of thing. Um, and when we get into the dungeon, the GM is just, uh, or dungeon keeper is what I'm calling them here, trying to stay away from that master term. Yeah. It's all that, um, there's a lot in the text about... If you want to switch out from this role, just switch out. It's very, very simple to do it. If someone dies, you know, switch in, switch out, whatever. Um, and so they'll start sort of, they'll deal a card, which is this is the this is the first dungeon room. It's related to a bunch of these tags which are in there, suggested things as well. 
and they describe what's in the room and it's up to the players to then work out how they move through it. And it doesn't have to be violence. It absolutely doesn't have to be violence. You know, everything can be persuaded with. Um, it's a super simple D12 roll under your stat mechanic. If what you say, if you say something and you roll it and you roll under, it works. That's it, you know. Okay. And everyone, the only thing you need to do is succeed against each hazard once. So each of these things once, and then you can put yourself in a position where you're out of harm's way, or you can keep on fighting or doing whatever you're doing or keep on reducing these things. Um, if you decide to try and clear out a room, so that's either making friends with everyone so they're not, you know, worrying towards you anymore, or, or if you want to beat them to death, whatever. If you decide to do that, you end up with loot, which is something which your Dungeoneer wants, but isn't necessarily what you want. Because they're here to try and go on an adventure. They're here to try and win back, you know, some fame or some sort of uh, um, renown again after they've been, uh, you know, in debt for years and like, you know, far out of their prime. You are constantly waiting for opportunities to trigger their death. So when something in the room has the tag that you've uh, sort of got for your death, you can choose to die to it. You don't have to but you can choose to. And so there's this part of it, which is you sort of having these opportunities to trigger your death on other mechanical incentives, but essentially, you know, you walk into the room, uh, the dungeon keeper says, there's an ooze in here. And you're like, I'm going to die to that. It might okay. not be last round. It might be at some point, but as soon as that happens, as soon as you declare it, that's the point when you take the stage, you describe your horrible or meaningless or like, incredible death and everyone gets to enjoy that for a bit and then yeah your dungeoneer is dead now that's it they're done so let's talk except the the whole idea of the 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 dungeoneer you've got these different obstacles that you need to beat all right and but talk us talk talk to me about the actual dungeoneer all right because a lot of people they want to know not me, but a lot of you want to know, like, what do I, am I actually, what am I actually rolling? You mentioned some stats, you mentioned a roll under system. Is this, a, so is this like a, do people have classes in this game? Are there powers? Like, what are the stats? How easy or difficult is it to make a character? So you can make a character in under a minute, uh, like a big thing for this. So the whole process of it is, uh, you work out you work out which kind of dungeoneer you want to be. You could be a fighter, a magic user, a priest, a ranger, and a thief. So those classic, you know, okay. those old school sort of role-playing games, second edition DD, that kind of vibe. You make their stats, you have three stats, two of which you actually use, and one of them which is sort of like your sort of tick down health point kind of vibe, called luck and skill. And you roll 2d6 for each of those to generate them. And once you get into the dungeon, you're just trying to roll under with a d12. So it just puts you in that point. You can pick one of three talents for your Dungeoneer, which is something cool, which they can do either once in a room or sometimes sort of, uh, sort of throughout it, they can trigger this and it lets them either get themselves close to dying or make it easier for them to die or make it easy for someone else to die. Uh, or sometimes prolongs their life in the dungeon, but yeah, like it depends what you're looking for. Um, you can then pick a few pieces of like gear, which are just sort of like, they help you describe stuff in the dungeon. There's no mechanical thing there for them. They're just like, if you're looking for something for inspiration, you're like, okay, I've got this flask of hot oil. Maybe I'll use that. Uh, you can roll for a look or a backstory, or you can just work it out your own and then give them a name and the pronouns that you think suit them. And that's it. You've created your dungeon in. Okay. So then I die. All right. My cool, this cool character I made, you know, I get, you know, sucked up by an ooze and dissolved. Um, What's next? I'm sitting at the table with my with my friends, and they're still playing. What do I do then after I'm dead? In between uh, rooms, we have these opportunities for things called between room scenes. And at that point, the first thing to ask that player is, are you still having fun? Do you want to keep playing? Because sometimes people are just like, actually, I don't want to at the minute. I want to go and okay. grab a pizza. I want to go and grab a beer, whatever. It's fine. Like, you know, I just want to hang out and watch people play for a bit. But maybe I'll come back in in a bit. At any point on a between room scene, you can uh, trigger a thing called you meet in a dungeon. You just have a new character. You just turn up doing that. And they just meet you somewhere in the dungeon. You've gone in there before with a previous party. Everyone else has died and you are just lost alone 
and you just join their group and keep going. The other thing you can do is you can swap out with a dungeon keeper. So the person who's creating these rooms, the person who's describing it, maybe they want to go at being a dungeoneer for a bit. So they just roll up a character, they jump in and up between room scene, you take over being the dungeon keeper and you start describing the rooms and things like that. So there's a lot of, I mean, there's, there's a lot in the text about when you're not having fun, why would you force yourself to have fun? So here's things you can do to do that. And if actually you're not having fun at all, like it's okay to tell the group that and see where you go from there. Maybe this isn't, maybe the game isn't working or maybe you you can do something differently. Maybe there's something about the way you're playing that isn't enjoyable. So it's just, you know, those, those are built in mechanically and that sort of idea of safety is built in mechanically as well for people. So if they want to step away, they can step away. And if they want to keep going, the opportunity is there for them. It's, it's interesting because uh, there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of short, simple games. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Grant Howitt early on. I've, I love so many of his games. and But it's still, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's there's still this role-playing structure that we still follow with it where we all sit down and we still play this game for, you know, you know, two to three hours or however long you want to play. And I always kind of thought about those simpler games as kind of like the party RPG. Like you have like party board games and everything that you can play with more casual people or people who just don't want to play a super long game. But now thinking about it, the aspect of a of like a party board game at any time, you can kind of just get up and like you said, go grab a beer and everybody else is still playing, but it doesn't matter unless it's your turn. Yeah. Whereas this very much feels to me more in line and correct me if I'm wrong, if you don't want to think of this as a party RPG, but to me, this kind of feels like a party RPG. I'm not sure if you did that intentional or like- That is hundred percent intentional. And I'm really glad that came across. Okay. Yeah I, yeah. I really like the idea of being able to play a role-playing game at a party as much as being able to play a board game. And the thing with a board game is that someone can walk over, walk past at the party and go, what are you playing? Can I jump in? How does yeah. this work? I didn't listen to any of those rules because you told them all to me at once, but I'll just I'll just move my little bean around at some point and see what happens. And I I think that's something we should do more with role-playing games. I think this idea that it's this like big epic thing that you and a particular closed-off group do together is... It's something that is like very intrinsic, especially to those sort of uh, old school role playing games, those more trad games. And I just, I just want some something to be a bit more approachable. You know, I want this. If someone walks past and has never played a role playing game before, but actually if they see some people having fun and go, "Can I play?" You can get them into that game in a minute. And at that point, all you need to do is just, you know, be that welcoming person who goes, "Okay, if you're not feeling too sure, here's how you do that." And the text is helping with that as well. So if you if you are reading through that book and you're reading through that uh, Dungeoneer's Handbook, there's all this stuff about, you know, not, don't worry if this isn't, if this is confusing or weird. You can just say the simplest thing and get on with it because yeah. there's a mechanical board game side of it as well. It is this ticking clock here and this other thing here. And if you want to trigger this at this point, you can do it. Yeah, I think there's definitely, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. There's definitely like this. There's this space I think that not enough people are in because we think about, oh, there's so many simple games, but like they still just kind of, they're simple, but like you were kind of saying, once you sit down, it's kind of hard to just jump out or for somebody halfway through to just jump in. Yeah. So, you know, you think in a sort of a spontaneous role playing game session, you've got. So you've been playing for an hour and a half already. You've been doing a one page. You could do something like Honey Heist, right? Yeah. And and someone goes, okay, so what's been happening? And the amount of nonsense that has already happened, it's almost overwhelming, right? Whereas with this, it's, okay, what's been happening? It's like, okay, this person died in this room. We fought this creature. And on we're going now, we're just going to try and keep going to try and get this MacGuffin. And that's all you need to know. That's all the information you need to just sit down and join in. Like I play a lot of uh, convention games. I really like the... At the um, at Dragon Meet, which is one of my favorite UK conventions, and at UKGE, there's this thing called um, Indie Games on the Hour, and you sort of you can sign up to run or you can sign up to uh, play, and basically you every hour there's different GMs offering two-hour games, and that's it. And you sit down, you're onboarded, you play that game within two hours, and then you're done. And I that's probably my favorite format for playing. And if yeah. someone can, you know, if someone can actually walk past a table where something like that is happening and actually be able to jump into a game. 
I think that's just a lovely thing to be able to do. You know, make make these games more inclusive for people. Make it not feel like it's a barrier when you're walking past it. Yeah, that's super cool. I, I'm dig I'm digging them. Okay, so I think we got a good idea of like how this game works. Now let's let's, let's talk about some of the the fiddly bits here. All right, so D12s. Yeah. Okay, we have this. This is like some our listeners know we have this long-standing thing in, on our podcast where Michael loves D12s. He's he's writing a game, Action 12 Cinemas. It's all about D12s. I don't know why he likes D12s. He talks about how they're the best dice. And I disagree with him. I just do. All right. I, I like okay. they're great. They're great to roll. Like they're super fun to roll. I prefer D6 dice pools. That, that's yeah. me. So, but for you, why do you love D12s and why D12s for a, I've, a, I've a D12 roll under Michael's doing a D12 dice pool. And I was like, oh man, this is creative. But then you're over here with a D12 roll under. All right. Why D12s? So, I mean, firstly, I love a D6. Okay. Yeah. They're reliable. You know, everyone's got one. I think that's, that's like, it's one of the things I talked about in this game is going, do I make it all D6? Because that makes it even more approachable. Details, ah, like firstly, yeah, it's. I think there's. I think that's just a thing where sometimes you just love something for what it is. Okay. Um, like you say, it's easy to roll. It's got a great mouth feel. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It's close enough to be. It's a. It's one of those sort of little, maybe little conversation starters where someone's like, "Oh, is that a D twenty?" And you're like, "Oh no, actually, it's a D twelve, but you can still do gains of it." You know, it comes from this. Um, mechanically here, and I don't want to get too mathsy, but. I don't I don't do maths very much, but I know enough about uh, sort of some bell curve probabilities and things like that. What I wanted was something where I would get stats for players, which are generated by 2d6, to sit around a certain position, more likely. So your average on a 2d6 is seven, and then you're more likely to get six and seven and eight, and then sort of lower down those tiers. So having something like a d12 to roll under that you're putting yourself in a position where you are flipping between success and failure. And again, it's not guaranteed, but you've got something which sort of moves within where those can sit. And you've always got this option to roll under the lowest thing they can roll and sort of, uh, and um, meet the highest thing they can roll. So if you're looking for something which fits into that of there's a two and a 12 and either way, there's not, there's not a way that they can break this game by not being able to roll under or roll over. Um, you know, that's the, that was sort of the heart of it with this. I mean, there's other systems where I'm using D12s because there's a game I've been sort of, oh, I've been writing it for such a long time and eventually it will come out. It's called Automata Britannica. It's all about this um, alternate history, England, where everything's clock punk and sort of nonsense. It's very sort yeah. of 40 inspired. And because it's all clocks, that's all D12s as well. But because oh. everything's 12s, right? And it's all, and all the dice are sort of fours and 12s and sixes and things like that. This, it's purely because I want it was like, I love D12s, and also it makes that dice rolling easier. All you have is one dice, you don't have to read two, you roll it, and you know what you've got as soon as you die. D12s, I, I joke with Michael and everything, but like, uh, they do. Like, there's just, there is something very satisfying about rolling them. Like, they don't roll as much like a ball as a D20, There's, but they roll enough, and there's this very definitive movement of them. So, okay. Yeah. More, maybe this is like 20, you know, 2023, 2024. It's like the D12 renaissance, you know? Yes, people yeah. people forget about Powered by the Apocalypse and they just play D12 games now. Yeah. So, we, had the, we had the whole D20 uh, thing. People people are still into D20. People think about D20 systems. Let's talk about D12. Let's D12 make. systems. Okay, fair enough. So uh, one thing I don't think we talked enough about is the procedural dungeon. How is yeah. that like made? Um, you mentioned some cards. Are we making it as a group or is it just the dungeon keeper making the dungeon as the players move through it? So yeah, the idea is that uh, all you need to do as a dungeon keeper is just have this deck in front of you and you can just draw cards and place them down. Okay, gotcha. If you want to, there's a few options for making that experience a bit more curated. So there's sort of guidance in that dungeon keeper's guide about what what if you want this to only be a two-hour game what if you've got all night what if you want to do something where you're actually having this experience where you delve deeper into something or what if you want to have an experience where you're literally just running all across this dungeon you don't know what the hell's going on like these people are lost and so 
there's different ways to set it up. So you can either do it in, uh, so it's 52 cards, standard deck of cards, you know, if the Kickstarter does well, it'd be really nice to do something where there is a dungeon deck, but that's what we're working with right now. Um, and I think that makes, again, it's nice and accessible. You know, if you, if you haven't got that deck, you can always do it. Um, so you can either lay your cards out in suits and then you're just drawing a couple from those or drawing one from those, whatever you want to do to make that dungeon go quickly. Or you can, like I said, just draw from the deal from the pack and just do it like that. I love cards and games. Yeah. And plus it just think big picture, you know, if this game explodes, think about all the booster packs you can sell. Imagine. Oh, yeah. Dude. Oh my gosh. It's going to be incredible. Think of the branding. Oh, it's so good. Print bears I could have on everything. Printing Great. money at this point. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, have you played any like really old dungeons? Like we're talking stuff made in like the 70s or 80s. Have you ever played any of these really old, weird dungeons? And like, what's one of the strangest experiences? Because I have one. The oldest one I've played is it's actually Chris uh, ran it, Chris Bazet ran it. Okay. And Chris went, I'm pretty sure I've got the oldest adventure or the oldest dungeon here. So the first dungeon that was printed. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was called. So at some point, you know, tweet. I'm sure Chris will say at some point. But um, yeah, so we we did a little uh, using the vanilla game, you know, Jared Sinclair's vanilla game. Yeah. Did a little delve into this dungeon. And I think compa- you compare it to, say, your more modern dungeon crawlers and, you know, the dungeons you might get with, say, 5th edition D&D or, say, uh, Pathfinder 2 and that kind of thing. Oh, hello. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, you compare it to those kinds of uh, dungeons and there's, I mean, half the map was secret rooms. This is, yeah. the, this is the first thing we realised. Like, if you go into a room, the first thing you need to be doing is going, I'm checking for secret doors i'm checking for secrets because we had this map which we had received and then there was the one which the dm had which was just room after room after room all over the place every bit of blank space was secret room uh, it was it was almost ridiculous and there's a lot more of that um prodding around the 10 foot fold 10 foot fold yeah. thing in it like everything could be a trap everything can kill you i suppose is the thing to think about so much less where you are a series of heroes who are delving in and actually you can probably deal with most of this stuff and maybe run away with those more old school games it's it's designed for you probably will die almost immediately because you've got four hit points which you generated with a d4 and like the mechanics of these games are all over the place and it's all just about hitting and missing and getting killed yeah it's funny old school dungeons like just like the whole mentality was mm-hmm. completely different when i first started playing role-playing games i went to a yard sale and i picked up i some some older lady was selling a bunch of old books Mm -hmm. and i didn't know what any of this stuff was i'm like oh yeah it's dungeons and dragons i started playing dungeons and dragons it's i'm playing fifth edition and this is like some ad and d stuff like it's the same thing so i don't know so they but she had a copy of the original temple of elemental evil amazing and i bought it for five bucks and so i bought this and I, I go to my players and they're a bunch of, you know, just a bunch of theater people. And they're like, yeah, let's do this. We want to do this old school thing. And we started playing it and it doesn't talk about any NPCs or give you any structure. It's just like, yeah, there's this evil temple. Now go in. And it was so random and yeah. it took, it was great as a novelty because on one hand we're, you know, we're finding some skeletons and then we go into a room and now there's a T-Rex and we're like, what? This doesn't mean anything. Like what's going on? And then we would go into like just some random closet and it would just be like, and this is where the main bad guy is. And we're like, no, no, let's retcon this. I wasn't prepared to have this guy show up yet. But it's just like, it was so great as like a novelty mm. because it was so different than what we were used to. Uh, so I would, I will probably, I would never run an old school dungeon as a campaign again, but something I could just play one or two sessions of. I just, there's this randomness and just absolute bonkersness to dungeons that can be really fun. Yeah. Well, I think there's a whole whole thing of that. When you look at what is the modern ethos of play, 
is definitely, especially in the sort of new and the sort of we look at fighting, you look at those sort of side of things, is the idea that you are you are heroes and you're gonna you're in you're in to do this well and you're creating a character which you might play for years, right? Whereas that's when we're talking about those first modules, you're talking about the 70s, you're talking about the 80s, you know, people didn't really know how they were playing at that point. They didn't know how everyone played. You know, it was, oh, we've came, we've come from wargaming. We've strung together these rules. Yeah. You know, two weeks ago, we were pushing horses around a battlefield and now we're interspersing those bits where we roll dice to see if someone dies with bits where we go, actually, maybe we could sneak around the thing rather than die. And I feel like, I feel like those those books are written to be scared in, you know, those advent their adventures to be scared about. Whereas you take something, um, you take the sort of more modern versions of it, and they're written to be heroic in. They're written to be awesome in. Like you go into that, you come out at the end, you've gained three levels because you did really well, and now you can go on and do the next exciting thing. Whereas, yeah, that old older style of game is much more. If you touch the thing, you might explode, and that—that's you know. And when you explode, no, nah, never mind. Don't worry about it. And that's that's sort of that's sort of some of the vibe I'm trying to get with here, whilst okay. meeting that idea of we're going in, we're approaching this in a way that is fun. Yeah. And when and you're not scared of dying, because in those games, you know that tension comes from. Do we? Do, we're going to spend an hour as as an above table talk, deciding whether we open this door or this door. Because we could all die if we open this door. Yes. Whereas with you meet in a tavern, you die in a dungeon. We're smash cutting past that. You've opened that door and you're about to die and it's great. And nice. you're going to have a good time doing it. Okay. So let's talk then um, the Kickstarter because it's going to Kickstarter. What's that going to look like? And what can people back and get? So at this stage, this is my second Kickstarter. Um, the first one I did was a very limited print run. I think I did fewer than a hundred copies of the book because I'm mostly delivering that physical side of it on my own. Um, this one is my first one where I'm going a bit more open and you know I'm just letting people buy it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you can get a digital only version. Um, you can get a physical version plus digital. Um, I always stick in a, if you do want me to ruin your book by writing on it, I will sign uh, sort of a few of those. But um, at the moment, it is just the digital or the physical. And, I will, and there's a hardship tier as well. So for people who can't afford it, or people who might be in a compromised financial situation, if you still want to back this game, there's an option at a lower price for you there, which is for the digital only. Um, I don't know how this is going to do. Who yeah. knows? Um, you know, I've got... Uh, three incredible people working on it with me i've got uh the art is by hodag who is based in brazil and when i saw hodag's art to start with i was like this is incredible it's all that sort of old school fighting fantasy style uh you know beautiful line drawing stuff and everything he touches turns to gold it's amazing like the i uh, tweeted a couple of preview um pictures of his uh the other day and they're, they're just so good i can't describe it every time he sends me something in the discord i go i love it i can't i you need to stop doing better every time because i'm just exploding every time i see these um I've, and uh i've got uh sean smith who uh you may be aware of games like exuvii osr sort of fkr style stuff um brilliant writer and uh he's doing the editing for it and then uh, I've got Jean as well, um, Jean Verne, who did a lot of stuff for Soul Muppet recently. Um, some really, uh, really nice sort of clean layout work that still hits that sort of old school sort of idea. And um, and sort of he's he's very much understood what I'm sort of coming from for this as well. So the majority of the Kickstarter at the moment is just making sure I can pay those people and pay them well. Yeah. Um, at that point, you know, once that's been done, all this money from the Kickstarter goes into delivering this stuff and paying those people. I'm not, I'm not earning anything from this initial goal because um, you know I'll be able to sell the game afterwards. We'll be able to work with that. Um, the first stretch goal, if I do something like if there is, if it goes over, that means they get paid more, which is great. Um, if we get to a point where we're going, okay, this is doing really, really well, 
that's when we'll start looking at things like hardcover options, things like that. Because at the moment, it's three individual zines. Um, you've got the Dungeoneers Handbook, which you can just hand to your players at the start of the session. They can read through it and they can do that in parallel with you and that gets them onboarded as quick as you. Um, you've got the Dungeon Keeper's Guide, which has got everything you need to sort of intersect with that game, with that sort of initial text. And it sort of helps you run in parallel with it. It tells you whilst they're doing this, you can roll these dice and sort this thing out for the next uh, piece of play. And then there's a dungeon manual, which is just a whole load of rooms and then a whole load of things called hazards. So those are the things with the tags. So, uh, and there'll be, you know, different obstacles or monsters or things like that, that you can just sort of either roll for at random when they're in a room or take the suggested ones and sort of each room has a little narrative based around it as well. Okay. So you get those three, three books. And the idea is that, you know, if you're running that game, if you're being the dungeon keeper of that session, yeah, you can hand that, hand that place uh, book across and go, if you need to look something up, do it in there, feel free to call out a rule if you want to. We can look that up together and I'll be just doing stuff over here whilst I'm doing it as well. I see that you, you've, you it's almost like tongue in cheek following that classic three book model, you know, that the, in quotation, the greatest role playing game ever uses. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, everything, there, you know, uh, I know writers who use subtext, they're all cowards, you know, that sort of uh, ethos to it, you know, I didn't go for subtlety here. I want, I wanted it to, sort of yeah pastiche those uh, yeah that's fun. Being something that's tiny and approachable then you can just turn up with those books i will say this too i definitely the art is awesome it's i love you know the big beautiful full color landscape fantasy art but there is just something awesome about black and white art you can just it's almost like your your eyes it's easier to see like details there's that high contrast sort of you're just almost able to like absorb it and look at an image and understand exactly what it is so quickly. And I, I, I really like that. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I grew up, um, yeah, I didn't actually mention this earlier, but I guess some of my other early experience of role-playing is those fighting fantasy books, you know, where you're flicking through, you're going to the page, you're sort of, you're trying to navigate your way around whatever space it is. And those games are actually a really good example of what is a dungeon where you think about it, you know, you have a series of potential encounters that you may or may not um, sort of engage with. And you've also got um, routes which take you through it. And there might be a, a preferred route or, or what is implied to be a correct route, but you can take any route and get through that and have a unique experience each time. And so, you know, as a, as a kid, you know, flicking through those or around my friend's house and seeing all those, you know, flicking through it and suddenly you get this massive, uh, like this full page picture of this, you know, this orc coming at you with a big knife or this beautiful woodland scene. And like you're saying, that's stark black and white. It's just so evocative of that time for me and also just the type of adventure that you're going to go into. So yeah, Hod Hod Hodag is just incredible. Yeah, like perfect time for it. It's cool. I, I dig it. It's funny. We kind of, I, we are, we're at this point now, especially me and my friend group, we kind of joke about the the whole modern design aesthetic of simple, clean lines, lots of white space, graphic design layout and everything. But you know what? We like it for a reason. It looks good. <laughs> so, so I'm digging this. So before we wrap up, uh, Matt, is there one last thing? If if nobody listened to any of this, like, but like, oh, they tuned in the last minute. Like, what would be that one last thing you need would need to tell people about you meet in a tavern, you die in a dungeon? If you want to have two hours of fun with your friends that you can pick up and just dive into anytime, anywhere, where you all end up in you end you end up with a story that you told, but your story is so much more about that journey and how you died. If you want to if you want to live fast. If you want to delve fast and if you want to die fast, you need to play, you meet in a tavern, you die in a dungeon. Nice. <laughs> we'll put that on the movie poster for it. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, Matt, this has been great chatting. So where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Ursa Dice, U-R-S-I-D-I-C-E on basically Twitter more than anything else. I do have an Instagram. Occasionally things go up on there. Um I, you can also find my website, ursadice.com, which has got all my one pages for free and uh, a whole bunch of, um, you know, other stuff that I've worked on as well. 
All right. So, folks, you heard it here. You meet in a tavern. You die in a dungeon. Definitely go follow Matt. We will post all of the links for this in the show notes. But uh, this game looks cool. And uh, so, yeah, it looks like this is a game that I would play even though it's using D12s. So... High praise. High praise indeed. <laughs> High praise. Yeah. First week uh, in October if you want to back the Kickstarter. Awesome. We, we will definitely shout that out. So, uh, Matt, thank you so much once again for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. All right, folks, uh, that's it. Uh, go check out You Meet in a Tavern, You Die in a Dungeon. And do not forget, as we like to close out every show, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash therpgacademy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash therpgacademy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.